Good morning. Just get it in before the afternoon. Um, well, I've got, a, I've got a lovely picture coming up on the screen for you. I don't know if anyone is into art, but I wonder when you see this piece of art, it's going to come up, it's going to blow your mind. I wonder what it is that you see. Um, because I don't know if you're up for art or if you're not into art. I think there are two types of people in this world. There's the first type of people who look at a bit of art, especially modern art, you know the, the type of picture that I'm talking about, a bit of a swish of the paintbrush, and you think, I could draw that. I could, I could paint that. Not really getting much from it. And then there's the other person who just thinks, do you know what? Looking at this picture has just given me an insight into what it truly means to be a human being on this planet. It is truly incredible. So if you fall into one of those categories, would you put your hand up? I'm not going to ask you which one. Some of us fall into those categories. So uh, full disclosure, I am a person one, desperately wanting to be a person two. I, I want to be that arty guy. I'm just not quite there yet. But part of my journey on the art front, enjoying art, one of my friends called Doug, he did a fine art degree at Edinburgh University. And for the end of his degree, there was this big degree show and all of the students kind of showcased their artwork um, in like in this big uh, kind of art gallery kind of vibe. One of which, there's a guy who did sculpture and he'd created fake chewing gum that looked like used chewing gum and like stuck it around the city. And like Streets of Light, you could follow a map and find all of his fake chewing gum. I don't know what that was about, but my friend Doug, <laughs> my friend Doug had made this piece um, and me and my friend Matt had come to see it. And it was in an empty room. There's a couple of little things on the walls and there was this box in the middle of the room about this high and it just had some words on it. And there was like an audio playing, which is like a transcription. There's the art, there you go. Like a transcription of um, some random book or very trendy thing. I didn't really get it. And I was stood there in this room just looking at my friend Matt and we're desperate to kind of get what my friend Doug has done. And we just looked at each other and he was like, are you getting it? It's absolutely nothing, nothing. <laughs> And I'll come back to that in a bit, in a bit. But Tom asked me to preach about kind of God, which is good. Praise God. Uh, and I was thinking about how do you even start to explain God and the different elements of God and the mystery of God. And I started to think this thought popped into my head. I cannot understand art. How can I even begin to understand and explain about God? Because God, much more than art, even though it's a mystery to me, God is a mystery. Much more than art, you know, and the God that we believe in, he's a God that's alive and active. He's a God that's, he's outside of all the boxes that we try and put him in. And he's inside of all the boxes that we try and hide from him. He's, he's in the fire that falls down from heaven, but he's in the still voice, the still whisper. He's in the resurrected body. He's in people literally being raised from the dead. And he's the God that sits there with tears in his eyes and holes in his hands, watching on as people die before their time. He is a God in the mystery. Not to mention, you know, he's all-powerful, all-knowing. He's everywhere. And I had a lecturer at university, a guy called Lincoln Harvey, who used to encourage us when we were feeling a bit overwhelmed by God and just the whole concept of doctrine and theology. And he said, don't worry, guys, you're in the right place. If you wanted to do an easy degree, you should have done dentistry. <laughs> you're dealing with the divine here. We're dealing with the divine. There is something bigger than us at stake here, and it's hard to get your head around it. Well, if we go to the next slide, we are looking at what it means to be a house of God. 
What does it mean for us as a church body to create spaces in this building, but out there in our homes, in our communities, where the Spirit of God dwells, where we host this mysterious presence, this God that's in all and above all and through all things, and we walk in the mystery that he presents to us, and we press into his presence, and we see something of the transforming and redeeming hope that we read about all throughout Scripture. What does it mean for us to be a church that truly lives the way that God invites us to in order to see the transformation of the city of Sheffield? We want to see Sheffield come to life through the power of Jesus Christ. And we're thinking about different practices for us as a community that are going to enable us to do that. So today we're thinking about what does it mean to practice the presence of God? And that's the title of a book, Practicing the Presence, by Brother Lawrence. If you're into reading old mystical books, you should read that one. Um, But over the weeks, we're going to look at things like the presence of God, prayer, worship, uh, friendships, church planting, lots of different things, because we want to see a city transformed. And this series is not about our output, and it's not about our activity. This series is about connection. It's about how we, as a church family, can really connect in with the things of God uh, and walk in those to see transformation. Because if you're anything like me, who's very kind of task-focused, very driven about different things, we can get very stuck on focusing and getting caught up in what we should be doing. What's the thing that we should be doing? And if you've been in a small group, you might have led a small group. Um, when you sit down as a leadership group and you think, what should we do as a group of people? How should we spend our time? The list can be quite long. Now I'm just going to read a few things of what you might think in that little meeting scenario. So you could say... Well, you know, we've got to use the time to pray. We've got to pray first of all. We've got to spend time catching up. We've got to also, we've got to be sure that we're truly vulnerable. We've got to sing and do worship together. That's also important. We we must also share testimony. That's crucial. We must give people room as well to share creatively poems they've written, art they've done, stories they've shared. We must read the word, large portions of scripture. Let's just read it out loud together. But we must also pour over small pieces of scripture. Just read one verse at a time. Lectio Divina, really sit in the word. We've got to get the commentaries out as well. Look at the Greek and Hebrew, get some external resources going. We've got to also read a Christian book. You know, do one chapter a week. Different people can lead the discussion. How about we practice the gifts of the spirit as well? Prophecy, teaching, healing, signs and wonders. And we finish in prayer. We could even chart our prayers, answer prayers, unanswered prayers track the whole journey then we've got to have socials as well we've got to have time to hang out just relax just be ourselves play board games meet up outside of the group go for walks together that would be great and we've got to do mission get on the streets social action there's so much we could do sound familiar (laughs) and we we start at 7 45 and we're going to be home by 10 and we're going to do all those things so you know they're all great things and if you're anything like me, some of those things have really like, impacted your life in a significant way. But we're dealing with a God who is alive and active, and we're dealing with a world that throws up all the joy and all the pain at the same time. And sometimes our list of activities aren't going to cut it. They're not going to meet us where we're hurting. They're not going to come and bring transformation where we need it. So when I was in this art gallery with my friend Matt, my friend Doug, who had done the art, he'd come from doing other arty things, 
wearing a beret or something, I don't know. And he, he came up next to me and I said to him, Doug, mate, I really want to get this, but I just, I just don't get it. And Doug said to me, it's all right, mate. It's all right. Well, why don't you just tell me how are you feeling in this space? What are you noticing? Where's your eye drawn when you come into this room? What are you hearing, seeing, smelling? What are you experiencing? What connections are you making in your brain right now? And as he asked me these questions and I started to answer, and I'm a verbal processor anyway, but I started to understand what he was trying to do. I started to experience something, to feel something in that space. And the good news for us, well, in, so in that moment, what I needed was the creator of the art to show me something about the depth of meaning behind the artwork. And what's beautiful about Jesus is that in the mystery of life, he comes alongside us ever so quietly and gently, and he just asks us questions when we're scratching our head thinking, what is going on? And he says, well, how are you feeling? What are you seeing? What do you notice about this experience? What connections are you making? And he just sidles alongside us and he makes his presence known. And through the power of his Holy Spirit, something of the mystery of God and the mystery of what's happening begins to take shape in our hearts. That is the wonder of his presence. And that's what we want to encapsulate in our small groups. So we're going to look at the Bible, uh, which is good. We're going to read John 17. If you've got a Bible, it's going to be on the screens. Um, but this is a great passage. I love this because it kind of explains a bit about the artist, a bit about the creator, about Jesus. You know, the Gospel of John, you should like read it every month. It talks about the person of Jesus, about the Spirit of God. It is a, an endless pot of riches. It's food for the soul. I love the book of John. And in there, there's a prayer. The, the subtitle in your Bible might say a prayer for all believers. It is Jesus praying for us. It's Jesus praying for us. It's written down in your Bible. We've got to pay attention to this. So it's a little bit confusing, this reading, because it's Jesus talking to God about us, right? So the I and the my is Jesus, the you is God, and the them is us. But the first them is the apostles. It's very confusing. But track with me on this, okay? So John 17, 20 to 26. And if you remember or listen to anything today, listen to this, because this is Jesus' words about you. It's much better than my words. Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone, but also for those of you, those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me 
may be in them and that I myself may be in them, that Jesus may be in us. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. And I believe that in this piece of scripture, Jesus is explaining the four things that the spirit, that the presence offers to us. Four things that we can carry into the way that we do community, the way that we do church. And it will carry us as we seek to see transformation in this city. So it says in verse 22, the first thing is that the spirit unites us. The spirit unites us. It says in verse 22 that we may be one as Jesus and God are one. It actually says that in the Bible, that we would be one as Jesus and God might be one. That's so intense. That is real intense unity. Like, I love you guys, but flip, that's a lot. And I, if you spend long enough with me, you might not want to be that united to me. Um, but that, it's kind of impossible, right? It's impossible for a group of us who believe and come from such a range of places that we would be that unified Unless we have the spirit, unless there's something beyond what we have in this room that's helping us to do that. There is something supernatural at work here, which is going to lead us to a point where people see the community that we're creating and they think of God. That's the promise that we have here that Jesus is praying for us to understand. The second thing is that the spirit of God shows us that we are loved. Jesus prays in verse 23 that the world will know that God has loved us just as God has loved Jesus. That's crazy as well. It's that father love of God that he pours out on us, that we are his children, adopted into sonship, loved so much more than we can imagine. My, my baby son is here. I was just giving him a cuddle. He's, he's not super well at the moment. Just thinking during communion that God loves me so much more than I love this baby. And just holding him in my arms is a powerful moment. But that's the truth. That is what Jesus offers us. Second, uh, thirdly, sorry, the Spirit reveals the glory of the Lord. This is a cool one. This is pretty amazing. Verse 24, I want those you have given me to see my glory, the glory you have given me. Jesus wants us to see the glory that God has given Jesus. That's crazy. If you read about the glory of the Lord in the Bible, like Moses can't even look at God, like he has to be lying on the ground in the presence of God. In the throne room, it describes the creatures who, who can't look away from God and they're compelled to sing, holy, holy, holy. Like the glory of the Lord is crazy and we are invited to see that by Jesus. He's praying for you to see the glory of the Lord and we should be praying to see and meet the glory of the Lord when we gather together. And finally, Jesus prays that God would be known to us. In verse 26, he says, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, that I myself may be in them. Jesus prays that God would be known to us, that Jesus himself would be inside us. And if we truly believed that, then how would we do our, our church differently? How would we do our lives differently? Jesus is alive and he's inside of us. What's beautiful about this passage is that we see the creator come alongside us and, and just show us a few different things about what he's created. Just as Doug, I needed my friend to come alongside me and just help me understand what was going on. That Jesus promises us that through his spirit and through his heart for us, he wants to give us unity, love, glory, and a true relationship with God that is going to help us make sense of the world around us. 
God here doesn't give us a list of activities, but he gives us an introduction to the Father. And I believe that when we throw ourselves onto the unforced rhythms of grace that Jesus has for us, we will become a people who walk in unity, in love, in glory, and in the revelation of who Jesus is, that we will start to see a shift in the way that we interact with one another and the way and the world around us. And all this got me thinking, like, how do we enact this? Like, what, what good is this truth? When we gather together, like, what's the attitude that we carry when we meet as family and when we go into homes and think, what is God going to do today? And it made me think about something I heard um, about living hope about the hope that Jesus has for us and the difference between hope being like, I hope it doesn't rain next weekend and the hope that Jesus gives us. So there's a picture here of me on Christmas morning. I open them up, my Playmobil. It was a good day. That was a good Christmas last year. And um, what I want to say about living hope is that living hope, I don't know what you do at Christmas, right? But in the morning, what we used to do is you go downstairs and the Father Christmas uh, would have left us some presents in the living room and we'd all wait behind the door and we'd wait for everyone to come downstairs. Always my older brother would be last. He'd be like, come on, Dan, please be quick. And we'd be just like waiting to go in and just look at these presents. And I believe that there's this excitement and expectation that not that our mother and father have, have left presents or Father Christmas, obviously, um, but what are those presents going to be? What is the good thing that we're going to unwrap? And in the same way, the living hope that Jesus offers us is this excitement that he's already done it, that he's promised us his love, his glory, his unity to show us who he is. And the invitation is for us to wait to unwrap what our Father has given us in the context of our family, to surrounded by people, unwrapping the goodness and the gifts of God. And the challenge that I have this morning is that as we gather together, we would be like a family on Christmas morning, that we would be expectant, childlike, joyful, full of wonder at what these good gifts might be. And in the midst of such pain and mystery, you know, the good gifts could be this, the deep sense of peace that transcends understanding. You know, I'm not saying that we're going to see every healing that we want to see and we want to see just our bank accounts full of money and all this stuff. But God has got good gifts for us. He's a good, loving father and he died and rose again for us. And as we're this family, this Christmas morning family, waiting to unwrap the gifts we each bring something of our story and we each bring something of the world and the context we're walking with us. And a little bit like a curator at an art gallery, we can kind of journey through these different experiences that people are going through. And we've got the Holy Spirit and we've got Jesus right there alongside us, just asking these gentle questions. How are you feeling? How are you doing? What's going on with you? Where might I be present in this? And through that process, we're slowly unwrapping the goodness of God. And he's slowly revealing something of his mystery and something of his person to us. And I believe that when we do this, when we start to walk in the presence of God, in the light of who he is, we'll see incredible things. We'll see depression broken. We'll see sickness healed. We'll see lies exposed. We'll see things that don't belong, that aren't of this world, having no hold of us. We'll see the Lord speaking powerfully 
And I believe that we'll see one another stepping into what, the, what God has for us, the calling he's placed on our lives, and we'll start to see the city transformed. So how do we do it? What's the big idea? How is this actually going to happen? Well, I've got a very simple two-step guide for this that I've come up with. It's not really original thought. But how about we try this? Ask him to come. Wait for him to show up. Ask him to come. Wait for him to show up. And we do it as family. And we sit with each other. And we wait. Um, I love Psalm 27. And I was drawn to it this week. There's these powerful words at the end where it says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. But you know what it says after that? Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart, because it's hard. It's not easy. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I wonder if you'd like to stand with me. We respond to this. And I just want to invite you to to do that. Ask Jesus to come and wait for him to show up. And you might do that in a whole range of ways, but you might just want to say, Holy Spirit, come. Come and meet me now. Show me your love. Show me your glory. Show me who you are. It's you and God right now. Let him come alongside you and ask you those questions. How are you doing? What are you seeing? Here I am. And I just wanted to read Hebrews 10, 19 to 25 to you. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain That is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Just like children on Christmas morning, waiting to unwrap the good gifts. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see you? Fill our hearts with your living hope again, Jesus. Raise our expectations, Lord. And we're about to sing, but I just wanted to invite you, if you wanted to come forward and just sit before the cross, just bring yourself and just let him come up alongside you and tell you that you're loved. That's an invitation for you this morning.
You can kneel where you are. You can come to the front. We'd just love to lay a hand on your shoulder. But let's ask him to come and wait for him to show up.